to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, Pastor Antoine continues in our series, The Good Life. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from lead pastor Antoine Lasseter. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we're still sort of in the good life, but not, not really. Uh, we're going to do, if you're here um, today, I believe that the Lord is going to answer many of your questions concerning your faith walk. Um, I sincerely believe that. So uh, if, if you have questions about your purpose, if you have questions about your calling, if you are struggling in an area of faith, I believe that um, the Lord is going to speak to you today and strengthen you. And the whole church said, um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of ends of the earth. And so we want to make sure that we understand that the Holy Spirit has come so that we will be witnesses. Witnesses about whom? About Jesus. Your life is a testimony to God's goodness. And so um, we want to make disciples. And, I, and so look at this chart for, us for a second. We're going to park here. Um, and Acts chapter 1, verse um, 8, uh, we want to be witnesses in the church, meeting our needs. So the Holy Spirit has not just come for us to speak in tongues or for us to prophesy. The Holy Spirit has come so that we can be witnesses of who Jesus is. And so we want to be witnesses in our church. We want to be witnesses in our community. We want to be witnesses in the great state of North Carolina. That's right. And we want to be witnesses to, to the nations. And the nations are literally at our doorstop. You, beloved, are a part of God's plan. Your faith, the fact that you're here, is not an accident. You were created with purpose. Your marriage has a purpose. Your children has a purpose. You have a purpose. And if we do not recognize what that purpose is, there's no way we can live a good life. It's impossible. We have to recognize the reason that we're here. The reason that you're, you and I are here is because the disciples way back when actually took Jesus at his word. And they said, we're going to, we, see, before Christ, um, before they understood who Jesus was, they lived a life uh, of somewhat scattered. They went to work. They were fishermen, tax collectors. There was a bunch of stuff they did, but their lives were without purpose. Jesus interrupted their lives and gave them purpose. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come and you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be witnesses to everything that I taught you. And now 2,000 plus years later, because of their obedience, we are sitting here now followers of Jesus Christ. You, beloved, have a story. And if you ever put your story into God's story, oh my God, what you are going to accomplish. And so, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, uh, the scripture says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee. Now, he started off with 12 And uh, one of them, let's just say, didn't make it. 
Judas. Um, uh, he, they were going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. How are you going to worship and still doubt? Scripture gives us a blueprint as to the fact that Jesus comes into their life, interrupts, disrupts their lives. He shows them many miracles. He, he tells them, hey, I'm going to die, and he's going to raise, he's, um, but I'll be, I'll be back. I'll be back. And uh, they, they worshiped him, but some of them still doubted. Verse number 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What Jesus was asking them to do in that moment, they doubted if they could actually do it. Make disciples. Now, pastor, how am I going to make disciples when I can't even talk to my wife? I'm going to make disciples of the nations and my household is in disrepair. Glad you asked. See, this, this is what Jesus says. He says, all authority. Say, all authority. He says, all authority in heaven and earth. And then he says, go and make um, disciples of all nations. Say, all the nations. Obey all the commands. Say all the commands. And then he says, I'm with you always. We can do all those things he mentioned because he is with us. He is with you in your marriage. The building that we are currently sitting in will never reach the nations because this building can't move. But you can. Once we live this life that he's calling us to do, but first we have to understand that making disciples, being followers of Jesus, is a contact sport. It's not spectators. It's time for many of us to get in the game. Look, at, we're going to do a lot of talking back because I'm trying to cut through how y'all feeling right now. Um, look at your neighbor and say, get in the game. All right, so here's what we're going to do. So we're Jesus insiders, and because we have the, we have the secret sauce for living, uh, the insiders, the outsiders are supposed to look at the insiders and want the, what the insiders have. You have Jesus. Whether you recognize his power or not, his power is accessible to you. You want a happy marriage, a good marriage, then you have to surrender all of yourself to him. And that, my friend, is hard. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so he keeps telling them in this, go make disciples, go and make disciples. But in order for us to make disciples, you have to see yourself in God's story. You are here right now because you are a part of God's incredible story. You, beloved, are a part of God's incredible story. And some of us are a part of this church, uh, but ultimately you are a part of God's story. And being invited into his story comes with responsibility. But here's what I want you to see, that the passion that you have is generally birth from the pain of your experience. People never lose what's in their hearts. 
Parents who have kids with disabilities never forget the need. Uh, Single mothers who know how hard it is to make ends meet don't need to be given permission to minister to other single moms. You always do what's in your heart. And may I submit to you that the pain that you have experienced in your life is a roadmap to the passion that God wants to use uh, to go make disciples. I am releasing you to be all God created in you, being fueled by the Holy Spirit, but recognizing it with my pain. Pain has a way of uh, drawing attention to an area that needs attention. You ever have a toothache? I don't care how strong you are. When that tooth begins to ache, everything in you is now drawn to the area of that pain. May I submit to you that God is attempting to awaken us to what's in our hearts, but the challenge is our hearts must be in his hand. Our hearts left to ourselves is destructive. So it's his heart to our heart and our heart to his hand. And so I'm not trying to put uh, Think Kingdom ministry into your heart. I'm trying to release what's in your heart by exposing you to the one you belong to. Um, It's not about serving coffee. It's not about sound. It's not about playing instruments. It's about us being re-engineered by God to go make disciples. So we use these tools to do just that. But how are we going to reach the nations if you don't even have a vision for your own life? And so what God is instructing us to do is to, uh, to understand that I don't give you vision. Vision comes from the Father. And so if you need a vision for your life, then you have to spend time with the Father. Now, the worship experience, the worship gathering helps us uh, get a vision for our life, but you will not get the complete vision for your life until you are walking this thing out. And so, Think Kingdom, this church, can share our vision with you, but we are not competing with your vision. We're trying to help you discover your own. So, Tiffany, if you don't mind, could you come up? Um, uh, Tom and Sam, could you mind? Come up. Uh, Bridget, can you come up? And the only thing I need for y'all to do is stand sort of uh, separate. I'm going to show you how this thing plays out. So, Bridget, you're in the middle. Uh, Tiffany, you're on my left. My, my ring is on my left. Yes, you're on my left. And you guys are right, right here. And so this is what, what happens. So uh, making disciples, put making disciples the chart. And so what we have here, um, making, yes, thank you. Uh, we have the kingdom of darkness and then we have the kingdom of light. And our job is to move people from the kingdom with the help of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has to do this. The, uh, so we're trying to move people from the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. And so first, we got to make contact with people. We can't lead people if we don't make contact with them. And so we got to make contact with people. And then we got to build relationships. Some evangelists, what they do is they, they have the gift. And we talked about the gifts in Ephesians. They have the gift to to speak the gospel, and people get saved. But for many of us, it's just doing our daily lives. It's like, listen, we're, gonna, we're planning to go on a mission trip. Let me rephrase. We, 
Y'all have the opportunity to go on a mission trip, and we're going to let you know how to go there and stuff like that, and it's going to be led by Elder Nate. And it's, y'all going to have a wonderful time. Lord knows I'm called to the States. Anyhow, um, so what happens is there's a kingdom of darkness, and so if we are not uh, living for Jesus, even the people that we love, if they don't know Jesus, they are in darkness. And so we make contact we build relationships. We begin talking seriously. Life has to be lived intentionally. We start sharing the gospel. And once we start sharing the gospel, uh, the person begins to trust Jesus, and then they're baptized. But when they start trusting Jesus, something happens, and then they enter the kingdom of light. But they have to learn the basics, the foundation of their faith. They have to begin serving others, because if you don't serve others, everything becomes about self. And, and then they're growing in doctrine. And then eventually they lead others. They lead others. And so watch this, how God orchestrates this. Uh, Tiffany has a parachurch ministry. It's called uh, Be Fearless. Um, uh, Bridget, she works um, um, with, with clients. And, and so that's the marketplace. And then you have Sam and Tom. And what I start, um, what the Holy Spirit start dealing with me about is that if you don't learn how to release people to their gifts, then what happens is we're going to be collecting, collecting and gathering, swelling, getting fat, but not having impact. So, um, however Tiffany came to faith, she had to hear the gospel, she responded to it, and then she's had this valley experience of seeing if what was said was true. And every, everybody here is here because of the connections they made, and somehow, some way, they're being released to ministry. Now, some will say, well, what ministry does Bridget have? What ministry does Thomas and, and Sam have? I'm glad you asked. Because when we think of ministry, we think of be fearless. We think of think kingdom. We think of leading Sunday school groups. We think of small groups. We think about titles. We think about giving permission, 501c3s, and all those things. And I submit to you, that's not necessarily ministry. When he says, go make disciples, he's literally saying, as you live, go. That, that means I can make disciples on my job because that's what she's doing. Yeah. Y'all got to see. So, so here's what's so crazy. Like I, they have led more people to this church than I have. But if you ask them their title, we just Tom and Sam. Yeah. Because the gift is in them. So what we have to be able to do is give them permission to be in their gift. You got to see. Y'all stay right here. I'm going to make examples of you. The greatest stories, the greatest, there's two great stories, but the greatest story ever told is the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Greatest story ever told. But may I submit to you the second greatest story ever told? Is how you met him. The greatest story ever told is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But the second greatest story ever told is how you met him. And so Jesus enters into the space of our pain. He, he, that's many of us. We came to Jesus 
limping. We had issues. And we came to Jesus. How are we coming to Jesus, leading people to Jesus when we still have challenges in our own lives? Because Jesus entered into the space of our pain. So there's no need to hide the struggle in your marriage. You get around good golly folks, you get around safe spaces, you can't tell everybody everything, but you get around safe spaces because that's what the Holy Spirit is doing his work. So the Holy Spirit is re-engineering our hearts to see him at work even in the most painful moments of our lives. Because may I submit to you that your pain has a way of creating a resilience and a determination that you can't explain. And pain can soften your heart, but toughen your resolve. That's something, that's something pain. Pain can allow grace to take hold. Pain keeps you humble, both present and past. Paul says it this way, I prayed three times for the Lord to remove this thorn, to remove this pain. And he says, my grace is sufficient. And, and so you have Tiffany engaging women, para-ministry, and then you have Bridget engaging a client who everybody else gave up on. And then you have Thomas and Sam, uh, family, they're working on themselves and then extending, while they're working on themselves, extending the grace of God to others. It's hard to lead people where you're not going. So that there's a vision that I can have for your marriage, but, 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 but men, you got to have a vision for your, I can't give you vision. It comes from God. I can give you exposure that what, what could happen if you submit to him, but the vision comes from the father. So in my life, I try to point you guys back to the father. And so if, so, so some of us, no, this is what I'm called to do. I know it. I understand it. I'm going to do it. Until everything works in my life like I wanted to do, I'm just going to follow Jesus and see, see what happens. Listen, this stuff is new to me, but I'm going to do. I tasted and seen a good. And so what happens is in order for us to give you vision, you have to do what the Lord says. So the other chart. So watch this. Let me tell you what your problem is. Can I just tell you what your problem is? Here's the problem. We come and we say Jesus is Lord. As if saying it settles it. You're going to be tested when you say Jesus is Lord. And so that's the apex. The apex is Jesus is Lord. I know it. That's the, that's the church moment. That's the worship experience. We were worshiping and we we're swaying our hands and the worship team is leading us to thrones after thrones. And we're saying, oh my God, service was wonderful. And we're declaring right then, Jesus is Lord. And then we leave and the enemy says, really? Really? He is, huh? So you're saying you're going to submit to him in every area of your life. Absolutely. So that's how we keep, and watch this. So when trouble come, that high that we were on drops. And so there's, a, there's this term called liminality, and, and liminality means that this is the place in between. 
that we have said he is Lord, but we have to keep on living because there are areas of our lives we willingly, voluntarily give up. I'm not. How many times have you said this? I'm not going to do blank no more. Now, I'm not asking you, did you say it? I'm asking how many, you know what, pastor? This is my church home. You know why? Because I got to do better. Jesus is Lord. I'm no longer my own. Daylight saving time. It rains. It's cold. Listen, you don't even turn on a, you don't even turn on Facebook. I'll catch them next week. Jesus is Lord, and so Jesus says, if you, want to be, if, you want to, if you want to be my disciples, if you're really my disciples, you will continue in my word. Everything is tested. Every claim is tested. Peter looks at Jesus in one breath and says, thou art the son of the living God. And then the next breath, he denies Jesus three times. He just said who Jesus was, and then in the next breath, he denies him. How many times have we declared who he is, and so I'm going to tithe, I'm going to give, I'm going to love my wife, and something happens, and it's like, man, this ain't what I signed. This is Jesus is Lord, and this is liminality. This is where we determine your threshold of pain. This is where we determine... Right here, right here. And so oftentimes, and here's the challenge to many of us, we live right here. We, we, we live in that valley. So, you, you know, like me and my, this, is my, this is the pattern of my relationship with my wife early on in our marriage. We can't do this no more. We're going to have to do better. All right? So we wrote down everything. We, this is how we're going to communicate, and this is how you're going to communicate, and then we're going to come together. This is what I want. This is what you want. And it lasted 55 minutes because in that moment, I said Jesus is Lord, but how I acted was otherwise. Because what I said did not penetrate to my heart. And so the gospel competes with the core belief. And so we have default settings in stress you regress. And so I said those things to my wife under the contingent that everything else was going to work out and be fine. In other words, if my money was right, no stress. I love you, baby. If my money wasn't, man, listen, why are you tripping? So one thing unraveled many things, my core belief. And so until the gospel is rooted and firmly established, I wavered if he really is who he says he is. So I get caught in liminality. It's a Latin word. And this is the place where we have to listen and linger because while we're in the valley, he's still speaking to us. Wisdom is developed in the valley. Memory is institutionalized in the valley. Now, if you hold on to the things of God, your memory will be shaped with God present. In other words, it either makes you better or it makes you bitter, and that's dependent on who you're leaning on. So uh, this is liminality. And so we're growing. We can grow in the valley, but we have not matured. So oftentimes, many of us, we get stuck right there. If that's you, 
Can I share with you how to get out of the valley? I'll tell you in a minute. I'll tell you in a minute. Got to keep you at the edge of your seat. Well, I am a preacher now. Um, and, and so once we get out of the valley, and this is how we get out of the valley. It's real simple. How we get out of the valley is we return to the fact that Jesus is Lord. We trust him because valleys are mostly horrible experiences. But here's the reality of life. He's also in the valley. The valley has a way. I know y'all tired of standing, but I'm going somewhere. Valley has a way of suffocating life out of you. Yea, though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because they, he is with me. So whether I'm on a mountaintop or in the valley, God is with me. So whether my marriage is mm, nice, oh my God, man, I'll marry her again, twice, or I'm struggling, he is Lord. So as long as he's Lord, I have to submit to him. The biggest problems in relationships is me trying to work on Tanya. The reality of it is, is me trying to work on me. All right. I save it for Friday. So, 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 so here's what I want you to see. So oftentimes in this phase, we go back and sometimes we have to start over. And, and, and we never really get over that hump until we recognize that not only is he Lord, but he's concerned with what I'm concerned with, and I trust him. And now we start gaining momentum again. Now, the thing is, we go through this enough times, and guess what this leads us to? Our calling. Now, when you recognize what your calling is, now remember, the struggle is for us to hold on to him being Lord. Once you hit your calling, it's no longer a struggle with believing that he's Lord. Uh, once you reach your calling, the struggle is, did he really call me? So, so what happens when we are, um, so when I first started this, 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 this church planning or this, 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 this pastor thing, um, I, I knew that he was my Lord. I, I didn't mind the challenges that came with that confession. But when I said, yes, I'm going to plant your church and lead your people. Oh, my God. And now I go and hit a wall. Because what I thought this thing was going to be. So, so what happens is most of us want to jump to our calling and we have to establish that he Lord. You can't. Mm, See, if, you're, if, if you are not anchored in his lordship in your life, then that calling going to take your lunch. And so what happened is we want purpose before we establish his lordship. He has to be lord over everything. Pastor, I want to know my purpose. You inconsistent. So why would he give you and you have not established? Why would he give you? And you have not established his lordship. Like, why would he? And so what happens is when we forfeit the journey uh, and we jump to calling, uh, people see us bleed on other people. 
People, people see our immaturity, and, and, and now we're not people of integrity. We, our character is messed up. And so that's why this process is first to establish lordship. The goal is not ministry. The goal is to do the purpose that he's placed in your heart, your primary call, beloved. Your primary call is not to preach the gospel. Your primary call is not to play heaven down. Your prime, I don't know why I did that. You see that? I see, in my heart, I'm a musician. In my hands, I'm not. But I promise you, if he gave me the gift of singing, yeah, he know what he's doing. So our primary responsibility is to be anchored in his lordship. So what he does, um, and, and, and as, as soon as you keep following him, he begins to unpack your heart. The stuff that you didn't know was there, that you buried down, he said, I want that. But he got to show you it's there. So now in relationships, people rub you the wrong way. He's like, ah, we're getting to the root of it. We're getting to the root of it. Now he unpacks it and exposes it. Now, here's the challenge. Who likes being exposed? So our initial reaction is to hide and to go away. But because he loves you, he nudges you. He nudges you together. So now when we see Sam, we see Tom. And now when we see Tom, we see Sam because he's nudging you together. And here's what's so crazy. He begins to unpack the things that you said you'll never forget. And he puts it right on forefront. He said, no, because when I get finished with you, you're going to be whole this time. This time. See, I'm not living by moment to moment. I'm saying that he's Lord. And so that's why the gift that's in you, you keep telling people about Jesus. You think you're telling about the church. No, you're telling about Jesus. That's why Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And then you've established that he's Lord. All the mistakes, all the challenges, you've established that he's Lord. So you ain't going back now. That's why your, your journey now is upwards to calling. And that's why he gives you rehearsal time to see if you're going to be faithful with that client that everybody is avoiding because there's a ministry locked in you that he's about to birth. And see, that's what he does. I'm telling you, that's, that's what he does. And so the walls you hit is a sign that you ain't going back. But you got to stay faithful to whatever he gives you. So when you send me that text and you said, hey, we prayed, he wants to surrender, and blah, 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 he used you to do that, graciously broken. That's your ministry. Graciously broken. And so what you got to be able to do is walk in that brokenness and point people back to Jesus. I'm releasing people to do what God called them to do. And so that, I, I, said it, I said it jokingly, but I'm just calling you what I see. And so it's like, man, pastor and first lady, I'm telling you what I see because you're establishing that he's Lord. And you have a story to tell. And the story that you tell is going to release every hurting woman that comes into contact with you. And he's man enough to be able to handle your gift. That's what he does. Jesus is Lord. Liminality. Calling. And then you hit the wall. And you sit here and, 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 you, and you begin. This is, this is the time you begin to compare yourself with everybody else. I ain't got the money. 
I don't have the know-how. I don't have the skill set. And he said, but you got my, you got me though. Like, like you don't. And so that's why he's putting people in your life to walk beside you. Listen, here's what I'm saying to you. Because this is for all of us. Once you determine where you are, you can actually be rescued. If, if you were on 85 and, and, and I, call, no, if I was on 85 and I called you and I said, Lewis, come get me, brother. Please, Lord Jesus, Jesus, come get me. Hang up the phone. <laughs> what's, your first, what's your first question? Call you back. You ain't here yet. Oh, my God, it's horrible, horrible. Click. <laughs> Lord, I know I'm called to this. And he's saying, first of all, I'm not even Lord of your life. You are being anchored to your calling and not to the one who called you. So if there's not an avenue for your calling to go forth, you lose your identity. Your primary calling, beloved, is to follow Jesus. And so as you follow him, he makes his name known in you first. And we got people chasing pulpits and platforms and people. And then as soon as you get the group, it falls apart because only one person showed up. Because my identity is in what I do and not who I am. Can I, uh, uh, seven years ago, Brandon Crooms. Brandon Crooms is actually Dr. Brandon Crooms. We was doing a men's group before we started this church. We, was, we were rolling sweet, 17, 18 brothers on a Tuesday night eating wings and talking about the word. And all of a sudden, it went from 18 to four, to five, to two. And that was the most troubling time financially of, of, of my wife and I. And we're sitting in a car. And, and so she would do the women's group, and she would go to Panera Bread, and she would drop me off at McAdoo's. And I get there, Lewis, nobody showed up. And I'm sitting there like, what? And here's the crazy part. I was going to be there at least for an hour and a half because Tanya dropped me off. 7.45 comes, Brandon Crooms come into the, the uh, restaurant and says, hey, man, where is everybody? Brother, I don't know. He said, oh, man. Um, he said, what are you about to do? I said, man, I can't leave. We chatted for three hours. We talked. We chatted. And that conversation propelled him to go to the University of Texas in Austin to get his PhD in physical education. And I passed on to him what my grandfather passed on to me because he was wondering if he should go. He felt like God was leading him but did not know. And I shared with him what my grandfather shared with me. And my grandfather said, you do not have to know where you're going. If God is leading you, make sure he is leading you. And now, not only is he Dr. Brandon Crooms, yes. 
with a PhD in physical education from the University of Texas at Austin. He's also ordained. And he's using sports to reach a generation, and he's preaching the gospel to reach that. Listen, people of God, if you are anchored in what you do and not who you are, then what you do will define you. So if everybody show up, you're good. If nobody shows up, you're bad, and you have to be anchored. Your calling must be anchored primarily in the lordship of Jesus, and your primary calling is who I am, and your secondary calling is your purpose. So for every person on the sound of my voice, whatever role you have, student, teacher, father, mother, elder, worship leader, whatever. First, what has to be established is Jesus is Lord. And what I do does not determine my relationship with my father. And so what happens, these pivots occur when we have to continually readjusting our expectations from God. We do that enough that he becomes so saturated in our lives, and I'm talking to not just married couples, I'm talking to all of us, that's the pathway to maturity because you recognize that spiritual maturity happens in this space that you get over the wall, that you recognize that not everybody is going to come. You won't always have sunny days. I mean, you see outside? A farmer told me a couple weeks ago, it was 80 degrees. And you know what he said? It's profound, but I'm a preacher, so I can find relevance in everything. So I came out there with t not a T-shirt, but, you know, because it's still pneumonia weather. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I came with a light jacket, and uh, I said, man, today's a beautiful day. And he said, don't forget, it's still winter. No matter what season you're in, don't let that day determine your season. And so this is the thing I'm saying to you. Let's marry all of this in making disciples. First, Jesus is Lord, and he's commanded, and he says, all authority is given to me for you to make disciples. All nations. And he's brought your family. He's brought your people. He, all nations. And he says that you will receive power to do what the Holy Spirit has called you to do. Your purpose is greater than making each other happy. Your purpose is to make each other holy. So what happens is you surrender to God. She surrenders to God. I'm talking, you guys are representing married couples now. And so what happens is they surrender to God and it makes it easier to surrender to each other. But he has to be the focus. Once you guys, I'm talking to married couples now, once they're on the same page, they can lead their family. You have to, in spite of, and this is us, you have to declare who you are in Christ. And when the opportunity presents itself with boldness, because he's given you his spirit, 
declare it. And so that's all you've been doing is walking it out. Now, you're walking it out with your own challenges. Ain't that something? You mean to tell me you about your father's business in spite of your own business? And that's why he's going to take care of your business because you about his business. And so what, what we have to be able to do is just why Jesus says, if you want to follow me, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. If you're under the sound of my voice and you're trying to figure out where you are, May I submit to you, follow the breadcrumbs of your life. What do you turn to when trouble comes? You turn to him? You turn to her? You turn to that bottle? You turn to that sex? Like, what do you turn? Because what you turn to is because what, what you have is a legitimate need. You're just meeting that need illegitimately. But that need is recognizing there's something wrong. And Jesus, Jesus is here to remind you that he still called you in spite of, but before he called you to do, he's calling you to who he is so you'll know who you are. That concludes this week's message. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel like to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Kannapolis, Charlotte, or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.